Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today I show up Scott Plaskett, CEO of The Genie. Genie is a CRM platform for financial advisors to better manage their lead flow and day-to-day life. And with that, here's my interview with Scott. Hello, Scott. Hey, Jason. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for taking the time. Pleasure. So Scott Plaskett, CEO of The Genie, tell us about The Genie. You know, The Genie is sort of the, the evolution or compilation of a rabbit hole I went down many years ago. Really, as a financial planner, I've been in the business since 1993. And as a financial planner, I was always looking for systems and technology that would support the needs that I had to run my practice. The problem was there really wasn't much around. It was all focused on you know sales, transactions, and that sort of thing. But it really didn't focus around the, the needs of a financial planner. So I just started making my own and uh, you know started developing it through various old programs like Maximizer and Goldmine and all that sort of thing. And ultimately got to the point where I was doing so much programming because I recognized that there was the ability to create process and workflow within the, the systems that I started hiring programmers to really put this all together just to help run our practice so that it was very efficient and it it followed and dovetailed into the Kaizen financial planning process, which is our financial planning process that we that we follow. Now, the problem with that was is that as you start programming into certain programs and, and CRM systems, they in essence, they just start getting slower. And so we had a lot of crashes were happening and our, our network would go down and, and, and we'd reach out to uh, the supplier and they said, well, basically what you need to do is you need to put a system in place that's running on its own server. And the, so go buy a new server. So I went and looked into a new server. It's going to cost me about $40,000 to run this server, to run the oh, system. Man. And I said, well, wait a man, pre-AWS. That's just, <laughs> that was, know, that right? was the way of the world. Oh man, 40 grand. All so right. I said to them, I said, well, listen, why is it crashing so much? And they said, well, because you're using all of the services the software has. And I said, well, isn't that what it's for? And they said, well, nobody uses all of it. <laughs> And I realized very quickly that I was basically running into horsepower problems, right? I was just, I was tapping it out because I was just asking for it to do more than it could do. And then I really, I caught wind of sort of cloud-based solutions. So we were one of the very first, I guess, firms to really embrace the cloud-based technology. And when we moved over to cloud-based, I realized, you know what, I don't want to do this where I have to go through a migration every five years onto a new, more robust platform. I want the best. So we focused on Salesforce. That was salesforce.com is really the apple of all programs. If anybody's going to have a supplier or a supporting type of technology, it's always going to plug into Salesforce first. So we said, well, we're just going to build it on that. We were punching way outside of our, of our weight class at that point. I mean, heck, I was just an independent financial planner running, running on Salesforce. But we really started programming within it and just realized that everything just works so much better. And so now it's just the evolution of all of that. So that's really how the genie came to be. It was more of a, of a selfish thing that I started doing for our own business. And then colleagues would say, hey, this, this software you're using, this, this is amazing. Where'd that come from? And I told them and they said, well, can we use it? And it's kind of, that's the rabbit hole we've gone down. So now, <laughs> now we're, a, we're a software company as well. So, or a SaaS company, I should say. So the old classic gets a story about the homegrowns, which is advisor has problem, advisor finds solution to problem. Everybody else says, that'd be great if I could use that solution. And now advisor has software company. So the uh, <laughs> right. natural evolution. And as a Salesforce uh, <laughs> junkie, for lack of a better term, I am a big believer in programming on that platform and I'm going down various rabbit holes myself. So totally get where you're coming from. And that's, that's like, it's actually a big misnomer. And I actually say, it's actually known within Salesforce that the name is almost a bit of a, a bit of a deterrent to people because people think of Salesforce as a CRM when really it's a giant data development platform with a yeah. CRM sitting over top of it. So the ability to leverage it, and I'll go back to my analogy with AWS earlier, it's almost like an AWS of CRM to some degree in that you don't have to develop all this stuff from scratch. 
you can just use their platform to build on top of that. So totally get it. And frankly, you know, your model is you're not the first one who's done something like this. There's other companies like Accelerate out of the US who built Salesforce overlays for financial advisors. Of course, that ports here or doesn't port here, depending on you look at it. But it also there's different ways to kind of different ways to skin a cat on this one, right? You could totally, the approach you've taken from what I can see, and we'll talk about that shortly, is a lot more funnel development based than kind of than their maintenance based ones, what I see, which both have merit. Anyway, so let's, let's talk about that experience before I go on another long diatribe. Tell me about what it is Gene delivers to an advisor who, who's looking to better automate their practice. We've really built it around four tenants. So there's four components that it's been built around. So there's the, the marketing genie, there's the sales genie, there's the process or fulfillment genie, and then there's the profit genie. And those are just you know the, the terms we're using to say, okay, there's phases and evolution that a client relationship will go through. And so you know we start off with the, uh, the marketing side. So in the marketing genie, it's really built around a premise that I call the 1585 principle. And the 1585 principle is really just based off of a study that was done where a marketing firm reached out to people who were inquiring about products and services. And they reached out to them over a long period of time and with one question. And the question was, did you buy the product or service you inquired about? And what they found out was that 15% of the people bought the product or service they inquired about within the first 90 days of uh, inquiring about it. But 85% of the people who actually bought the product or service did so within the next two years. So I very quickly realized that if you're not have, if you don't have some sort of automation system that's going to keep nurturing that lead for at least a two-year period, you're missing out on 85% of the of the revenues that are that are waiting for you. And that's in essence what I found to be the problem with financial advisor marketing is that they, you know, somebody puts a marketing piece together and then, you know, they're like, hey, 30 days later, I didn't get any clients. This stuff doesn't work. Oh, man. I have had that conversation on so many occasions. I've even had to talk my business partner out of that mindset. It's like, you got to stop thinking dollar spent equals dollar received the next day. It's not about that. And anyone well, in marketing will tell you that over time, it's about brand building and keeping that relationship going so that when the time is right for the client, not for you, when the time is right for the client, that's when they convert. Well, and that's it. And this is where the problem is. Then if you're doing it manually, you go through these sort of this, this sort of evolution where you get a lot of leads and then you finally get some appointments, but then you can't, you don't have any time to do the marketing. So then the marketing drops off and now you're, and then you finish with all the leads that you've worked on and now you've got no more leads to go. And then you've got to start the marketing again. So you go through this back and forth and it's the seesaw approach. And I, I just looked at it and said, well, Hey, if we can do something where we've got a, a, a marketing process that automates it 24 seven and it never stops, then I've always got a, a clean flow of leads coming in. And the golden egg that you're building is that database of potentially people who are interested in something that you had to talk about. Now, they may not be interested in having a conversation with you right then and there, as you say, but eventually something's going to happen. A life event will take place and they'll say, you know what, this, this firm has been kind of staying in touch so maybe I should throw their name in the hat and at least have a conversation. And that's the essence of it. If you don't have, if you're, if you're a financial advisor and you don't have leads coming in, it's kind of like air is to humans as leads are to financial planners. If you can't breathe, you don't, you're going to die pretty quickly. Well, it's funny because you ask most advisors how they basically grow their business and the number one response is referrals. And that's a good answer. But when it's the only answer, it basically, to me, is an indication that you have no marketing strategy. Right. Just basically, you know, you have, you have nothing else going on. And the reality is, again, going back to the principle of it's when the client wants to make the decision. And if you're not the person who's constantly in front of them, reminding them about it, if you're not the person who's speaking to them, and, and maybe it's not something you put out two years ago, but maybe there's an article or something you put out that specific, like last month, that really spoke to them because it really basically basically sums up who they are. There's a trigger that's going to make them jump and you want to be part of that trigger. Yeah. And I think you really want to get into from a marketing strategy standpoint, you want to try to get into the, to the conversation that's already going on in their head. 
And that's mm-hmm. the hard part is how do you do that? Because, you know, in our marketing approach, you know, we've got two different markets. We've got visible markets and we've got invisible markets. And what I mean by that, I can sort of explain that through, through the, uh, an example using real estate. If you're a real estate agent and you, you want to know who are the waterfront homeowners in a certain area, well, it's very clear. You go to the area that's got a body of water, everybody lining the street on the, the body of water. Those are the waterfront homeowners. But, so that's a visible market. But the problem is, who are the people that actually want to buy waterfront property? That's an invisible market. There's no, mm-hmm. nothing that says this. So you've got to get that group of people to raise their hand. Well, that's the exact same process that we as financial planners go through. We need to, if I'm going after a business owner, there's no sign on the front of every house that says, hey, this is a business owner and that's not. You've got to somehow get them to raise their hand. And so through the education-based, what I call education-based direct response marketing that we've built into the genie in that marketing genie, that's the process that we use that says, hey, if you're a business owner, then this piece of content will probably be of interest to you. So just raise your hand and let me know you, you exist. I'll send you the content in exchange for your email address. And that gets them into your ecosystem. Once they're in your ecosystem, then you can just nurture them through language that's more appropriate to that particular niche, whether it be business owners yep. or pre-retirees or whatever it happens to be. So that's the the essence of the marketing genie. It's that it's a process that allows us to just automate that ongoing, regular, uh, revolving conveyor belt of leads that come in, nurture them appropriately. And so when they're ready, they're going to reach out and say, hey, you know, maybe we should have a chat because I've got this question. Well, I just did. And it was, it was interesting. And just to share a personal experience I may have shared previously on the podcast, but the, um, you know, when I started doing work uh, for a major newspaper and writing case studies, their first three, I didn't even get a single phone call. And I thought to myself, or email, I thought to myself, what am I doing wrong here? And then what have slowly started to happen by the fourth one was people then started reaching out to me saying things like, I've been reading your stuff. And the thing is, is that you got to put something out that is unbelievably bang on for that person in that moment in time to actually get them to make an action if it's the one thing. But when you build on your reputation with them slowly over time, a dialogue builds, a, you know, a, a understanding of what you, what you do for people builds. And that is a far more compelling way for people. That's, that's far more appealing to people to want to reach out and try to acquire your services. So we've definitely beat on the marketing side of this. Let's move on to the second part, the second principle you're looking at. Yeah, sure. I mean, so yeah, so the marketing is all about building rapport. Now, the challenge is if you get this flood of people, you know, somebody reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like to have a conversation. What are you going to say? Right. How are you going to actually articulate your value properly so that you because, you know, in, in my space, I'm a fee based financial planner. So I actually charge a fee to take people through a financial planning process, irrespective of any implementation revenue that we may generate. So the sales genie is all about what do you say? How do you articulate your value so that they actually say, wow, I would love to pay you to go through that financial planning process. And so that's what the uh, the, the sales genie is all about. It's a series of, of evolutionary sales processes that you go through. And the, again, the genie, the technology that we're talking about, it tracks that uh, that that opportunity through the various stages so that you know where you're at with everybody. And this is the big problem when it comes to when you get successful in the marketing side is that now you've got a lot of stuff coming in. Keeping track of it and keeping it organized is virtually impossible. It just becomes overwhelming. So the sales genie is really designed so that we can identify, okay, here's an opportunity that now is has reached out to us. So we want to take this opportunity through the process. And so the process then says, okay, well then go to step one. And this is the process. We've got you know support videos that say, well, here's how we 
have our first meeting discussion. If we're going to have a 30 minute chat with somebody just to see if there's even a reason to get together, this is how we do it. If we then have a first meeting where we actually spend some time and go into some of the details, this is how we do it. And so we've kind of dovetailed the training of here's how we say what we say and, and what we say into the tracking into the system so that when somebody calls in, you can look at their profile and you know exactly where they're at. You can look at your calendar, you click on it, you know what's coming up. So you're not blindsided because we're busy. There's so many moving, like as financial planners, it's not like we're just selling an investment or selling insurance or something like that. We're actually doing a lot of other work. How do you keep mm-hmm. track of all of that? And this is where when you've got so many squirrels running across your desk, you've got to be able to keep them organized. And so the sales genie is really all about making sure that all of your opportunities are organized. And we'll come back to because this organization is important for the profit section, but we'll come back to that when we get there. So it's really about just making sure that you've got a, a, a workflow that is being you know managed by a system so that you and your team, if you have one, always know where people are at in the process. Yep. Honestly, I've never seen a business owner become truly successful without clearly defined processes and workflow management. Otherwise, it's fine to run around like a chicken with your head cut off and kind of run it out of your back pocket when you're small and starting off because the scale is not a problem. But every successive client you add onto that pile, the more difficult that challenge becomes. And every successive individual you add onto that and every successive service you add onto that, it's without without clearly defined processes, you're just putting yourself under undue strain and having too many things fall through the cracks. So. Uh, well, and that's it. And just the, the final point on that topic is that generally the technology that we're reaching out to use is coming from our dealers or our, our, our MGAs or whoever, you know, the, the support network that we're, we're processing our business through. And it's coming from them. But remember, all they care about is the transactions that you're putting together. So they're not mm-hmm. giving you support or technology that's going to support the overall planning process that you're, you're implementing. It's really you want to keep track of the investments and insurance that you're putting through. What happens if you've got other things like wills and powers of attorney and corporate reorganizations and all that sort of stuff? You need to keep the client organized. You've got to have a place to put that. And so that's where the technology is really wrapped around financial planning first for the marketplace. So the third basically principle or whatever it was you call that, the third key feature, what what is it? It, Well, that's the fulfillment genie. Um, So. Yeah, the fulfillment genie is is really about okay. Now you've you've got somebody into your ecosystem. They've reached out and said they'd like to work with you. So now you've made some promises to them. The problem is if you don't have a way of delivering on the promises you've made, then you're gonna it's gonna fall back. It's gonna fall down. And so we've really just put together the process of well, here's again when you go through a financial planning process, it's the process that's going to allow you to deliver on the promises that you've made to clients, so that they can say okay, thanks for the the process. That's what they're paying you for. And so again, keeping track of every in that process. So the fulfillment genie is all about taking the opportunity, the first opportunity, which for us is a, is a financial planning opportunity, taking that first opportunity and then going through a process to really dive into the planning. But then from that, we as financial planners, we identify other opportunities that we can then work with clients on. So we identify investment opportunities. We identify insurance opportunities, tax opportunities, corporate reorg opportunities, mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be. There's all these other opportunities that we, when we recognize those, we better have a place to store them so that we don't lose mm-hmm. track of them. And so the fulfillment genie is all about tracking all of those opportunities so that we maybe we can't deal with everything at once. And that's part of the, the challenge with financial planning is that it's not 
sort of a one and done kind of thing. It does take time to go through the process properly. And so if you don't have a way of keeping track of all that, all those opportunities you've identified that you ultimately need to get to with clients, and those opportunities, oftentimes we'll just prioritize them with the client and say, which ones are most important, or we feel these are the most important that we need to work on. So we'll keep track of them, but then we'll prioritize them. So now when we keep getting back together for our regular review meetings and for our regular planning meetings, we've got a list of opportunities that maybe we still have yet to work on. And so we never let anything fall through the cracks. And this, quite honestly, this was all evolved because uh, of mistakes that I made, right? It's, uh, you know, I learned the hard way, unfortunately. You, you start getting successful and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, the infrastructure I've got in place isn't working because I just forgot about that particular thing for that client. And now they're pissed with me. Yep. Failure is opportunity. You have two choices. You either basically just say, yeah, you know, so many, unfortunately, too many people, you know, just basically blame the client or blame someone else. And I often find advisors often say too. Advisors are, are, are funny things. They will say that they're business owners, but then turn around and blame the dealership for everything and, and want the dealership <laughs> to fix it. And I'm sitting there going like, sorry, but I've never been an entrepreneur who basically just points fingers and doesn't fix a problem themselves, right? So you're clearly the latter, which is which is the better better solution. So yeah, well, um, the other thing is well, with, with, the, with the fulfillment side, you've got to remember is that either, each of the opportunities we identify have different workflows that they'll go through. An investment opportunity goes through a different channel of stages than a, an insurance opportunity or a corporate reorg opportunity or a living benefits opportunity or whatever it happens to be. And so each one has to have its own series of stages that you work through. And that's how, again, we've dovetailed the technology into mapping out when you identify these opportunities. And for us, it's through the Kaizen financial planning process. When you identify those opportunities, now you know that when you hit the next stage of that opportunity, because of the automation and triggers to get initiated. So for example, when you have an opportunity to go from stage one to stage two, well, logically then it says, okay, well, if this is now the stage you're at, then we need to do this. So the system automatically assigns the tasks of things to do to support the fact that you're now at that new stage. And so it actually assigns tasks automatically to either you or your team members, which allows you to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks again. So again, it's it's very, it's it's complex in the sense there's so many different things that we can do that have to be done in so many different ways and methodologies, but at least when you put it all together and map it through right. the technology, it follows the process quite nicely. Yeah, and this is the digital implementation of things we, you know, people have read in books like Emeth, right? About the ability to map out your process to ensure repeatability. Also, books like the Checklist Manifesto to, to ensure that you know the same process is being followed. And there's a good story. I think it was in the in the Emeth that talked about how gentleman went he went for a haircut, right? And haircut, he goes there. The guy basically massages his scalp, wraps a, towel, a hot towel around his face, you know, beans his nails at the same time. All this other stuff. First time he goes. Second time he goes. Got, you know, the barber does some of that, but other stuff. And then the third time he goes, barber does some of the stuff from the second one, but other stuff. And it changes every time he goes. And the realization is that the service provider is providing the service they feel like providing that day, not the service that the clients necessarily signed up for because they're expecting consistency. And again, you know, if we're not outlining defined processes that treat people who are identical the same way, in terms of the services we provide, we are picture a scenario where someone refers you because of this great experience they had. And then that person goes through a completely different experience. That hmm. does not reflect well on us as business owners. And it shows that we're prioritizing our desires over the client's need. So well, that's my diatribe on process. No, but it's very <laughs> true. But it's also on top of that, if you've then, if you've built out a, a business where it's now more than just you, maybe you've got a bit of a team, how do you, how do you yeah. parlay that information to the team? Well, it's not just that. I mean, like, 
I often say that communication is a lot harder than people think it is, especially when you're talking about operations, because the way you explain something, someone perceives it differently than you think they do necessarily. And everybody puts their own kind of unique spin on a process. And unless you actually outline that and outline here, you can do whatever you want, but here's the deliverables end of story and make sure that that is nailed down. Things are going to just go in the, the wild, crazy ways. I mean, anyone who's got staff knows this, right? You know, left to their own devices, staff will find ways to make things more complicated for themselves, <laughs> right? And every now and then you got to go back and say, no, here's the list list, stick to that. Yeah. If you got a problem, you tell me and we'll modify the list. But if otherwise, don't create more work for yourself, right? So that was three. Talk about the fourth uh, key area. Yeah. So the fourth one is the profit genie. And really, this is about running a better business. Because now that you have all this information in the system, one of the powers, the real, real power is the extraction of information and the data metrics that you can get from, from all the stuff that you've put in. So this is where everything now ties back together. Because if you've got a lead that comes in from a marketing piece that you did or a tweet that you put out or a Facebook post or a LinkedIn post or whatever it happens to be, if you know that that lead came from that particular piece of content you put out, and then all of a sudden you've now got a new client and, and you've identified new opportunities, well, the system actually logically says, well, I know that it came from that particular piece of content originally. So I'm going to attribute the revenue that came in from these opportunities back to that piece of content. So you can actually go back and determine did the time and effort and money that I put into that original marketing content actually bear fruit. Yep. And it just, so it's a very easy. So it's great when you've got these dashboards, you can click on and say refresh. And then all of a sudden it says, okay, here's your business as of today. And if you want to know what was my most successful marketing campaign from last year, it's going to categorize them and, and sort them in that fashion. So it just allows you as a business owner. And this is one of the things that I find with, with our industry is that our industry creates a lot of technicians, but I think a lot of technicians, they have these entrepreneurs, as, as uh, Michael Gerber puts it, the, those entrepreneurial seizures, right? They think that they're now suddenly a business owner. Well, they're not. They're just basically, they've created a career for themselves. If you want to build a business, you've got to actually put a platform in place that can actually have something run without you. And this is what the Profit Genie is about is saying, okay, now let's put everything into this platform so that if somebody else comes along and says, hey, I might be interested in, in uh, acquiring your business, you can say, well, that's great because it actually doesn't rely on me too much because the system and the technology and the, and the team, they actually run the business. And that's really attractive. It's funny. As someone who's basically done a couple of M&A deals and coached other colleagues through M&A deals, the number one challenge of everybody who shows up at your door is basically the fact that they don't have any data. They want to sell you this business. Here's what I have in assets. Here's what I make in revenue. And that's like, thank you for those two data points. I'm going to need a lot more than that. And here's my list. And they're just yeah. like, whoa. And you can you can very much separate the wheat from the chaff of those who were actually entrepreneurs versus those who were just salespeople, because those who were salespeople can't even give you proper statistics on, on the first two. And those who are entrepreneurs basically can give you everything you want within a short period of time. So it's uh, it's always an amusing, amusing conversation when these things start off. Yeah, well, it is. And it's, you know, when it comes to, to building a business, you know, that people need to start putting on their business on our hat and you, you can't just, you've got to get out of, out of the weeds and you've got to start working on the business instead of just in it. And the only way you can do that is with information. And so this is just a system that says, Hey, I can track the information from its essence to where it is today. And we can really extract a lot of great information that says, okay, what should we repeat next year? right? Because mm -hmm. it worked this year or what's now been working, but now is starting to not work so well. So it just allows you to track that information at the push of a button. And that's the power is that, you know, sure, we all know what we want to know, but to get that information, it may take a little bit of time. So maybe we just don't have the time to get to it. But when you can just map it out in the beginning, push the easy button that says, okay, here's the information you're looking for. All of a sudden you can make a good decision and move on to the next, uh, the next day. 
So someone signs up for your platform. They've got all of this taken care of, including knowing where their efforts are gone. And by the way, I mean, people who listen to this podcast know that I'm a big fan of Marcus Sheridan's book, They Ask You Answer, which is all about content marketing. And in that book, it specifically talks about being able to measure every piece of content's ROI. And the great thing about that, and I'm sure, Scott, you'll tell me, you'll agree with this, is that if you see certain pieces of content or certain topics when it comes to content starting to resonate and generate a lot of revenue then start writing more of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, double down on <laughs> right? it for sure. Yeah, exactly. If the article you wrote on, I'm just going to pick on, say, education savings plans three years ago has yet to garner a single lead and has very little web traffic, you know that's not what people are looking for from you. you yeah, know, yeah absolutely. And that's it's the information is power. And unless you can get that information easily, then it was kind of, it's, it's a fruitless uh, discussion. But when you can get that information and you can make those good decisions, man, it, uh, it really translates into profits. Absolutely. So. People take the time, sign up with you, get access to this platform. Tell me about the experience you've seen thus far from people who've adopted. Do you have any statistics on like how it's transformed their business, uh, what the ROI has been, anything like that? Well, what it's given them is given them confidence, right? Because the confidence is that nothing's falling through the cracks. Because generally when people are coming to one of the, the, the platforms is they're, they're coming to the platform because they're like, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to run a financial planning business. And remember, this is really, this is technology is built for financial planners. It's not built for a portfolio manager. It's not built for somebody who just wants to sell insurance. It's built for somebody who wants to do a comprehensive planning. And so when they go down that path, they realize, wow, there's a lot of moving parts. And so they're trying to manage it themselves. And they've been, they're running their business and they're putting their, their own sort of technology together, but it's not all sort of knitted together nicely. And they're trying to get leads and all this sort of, it's just they're trying to make it all happen. And so what we found is that when they come to us, they get on the platform and there's, sure, there's a learning curve. I mean, it's, you've got to go through and understand it. So we've sort of mapped it out. We have an, an academy that people start learning. Okay, here's the marketing side, learn how to do that properly. Or what we recommend is go to the area of the academy that actually tells you or that you want to know most about that you're having the biggest challenge with. Is it the sales process? Is it the actually delivering on a financial plan? What is it? Go and learn that first. And then once they've done that, now they're starting to gain some confidence. And it's really all about confidence. We all know how to do good financial planning, but our confidence gets shattered when stuff starts falling down around us. And now we're, our reputation is starting to get tarnished or tarnished. So this is where we find that they do that. Then when they start realizing, okay, now I can start going through the process and the clients then start saying, hey, this is a great, the experience I'm having is great. And they're actually saying it, not sometimes directly, but more in the sense that they're now implementing all of their recommendations with the, the planner, all of a sudden now your confidence is building again because now you've got more revenue coming through. You're getting more wallet share from every client relationship. And so it just kind of feeds itself. And that's exactly the process we see that those who follow the process and start utilizing it. And then really what I say, make it your own. I mean, I don't want people to, to feel that you know, this is something where you've just got to do it and it's my way or the highway. This is just the way that works for me. But when you see how the overall process works, it kind of dovetails into most financial planners businesses, how we say and articulate the value. Well, you know, learn how I do it and then make it your own. But at least you've now got an infrastructure that you can build on. And so that's what we find is that the members who who really embrace the uh, the process and methodology, they just start getting those 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 little wins. Like the client says, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you a fee to go through this process. And then they go through the process and all of a sudden they start seeing more implementation from investments. It's much easier and they get implementation from insurance. It's much easier. There's not a lot of selling involved. It's more just of helping people buy. So it just, that's the, the, the experience that we have. So yeah, it definitely gives confidence is the, is the essence of what people, uh, people get from it. Well, the, the perfect sale is one where you don't make a sale. It's one where you basically 
show people the need for something and they opt in, right? Like it's, uh, no one likes to, you know, no one likes the term sales is very loaded. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a necessary function, but, you know, really in planning, it really shouldn't be about sales. It should be, here's your life, here's what you need. And, yeah. and people can question numbers, challenge them, but at the end of the day, the math's the math, right? And it's going to tell them what they what they need. So fantastic. So basically, uh, someone also to your experience, when someone starts off with you, how long does it take them to get fully onboarded and kind of really in that groove where it's like, okay, I'm you know I'm running on rails. Yeah, well, running on rails. So that's it's kind of an interesting way of putting it because when they start, the question is, what do they want first? Do they want leads first? Do they want help with the sales process? They're articulating their value first? Do they want help with the financial planning first? Generally, I find people want leads first. And generally what I'll do is I'll say, okay, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to actually recommend that you actually don't focus on leads first because a whole bunch of leads thrown onto a sales process that sucks if you can't articulate your value, it's a waste yeah. of time. And so we actually focus on the fulfillment process first. The fulfillment genie is where we want to help teach people through the uh, the technology. And again, I'm not talking about the technology tracks the information, but it just it, it just shows them a methodology for how to deliver financial planning services in a, in a methodology that makes more sense. I want to build their confidence around that, first of all, so that when they do get the people saying, hey, I'd like to talk to you more about your process, they know what the process is because they've got that confidence on it. But if they don't have that first, then it's like, okay, well, I can, I've, I've done my job because I know the technology will get them a lot of leads really quickly. And then maybe there's a bunch of those leads are going to call them really quickly. But if they can't actually deliver on the promises that they're making, then it's all going to fall down. So we kind of back it up. And once they've gone through the fulfillment, they get comfortable with the financial planning process. Then we move to the sales process. Then we move to the marketing process. Then they're running on rails because now they know exactly what they need to do. And they're not uh, letting anything fall through because they weren't prepared for it. All right. So before we wrap up, Scott, there's three questions I ask everybody. So the first one is, if you had one wish for something you could change in the industry, what would it be? Well, what do you call it when a doctor prescribes medication without doing a physical or any diagnostic testing? Malpractice. <laughs> right, exactly. So the problem is that I think our industry right now has been built on a lot of prescriptions first. And to me, is kind of it's kind of like malpractice. And so I really you know, would love to see the advice-driven side of things really be focused on. Financial planning first, it's always been the essence of where I believe it should be, but it makes sense to me. It's kind of a logical progression. Let's go through an analysis process first so that we can identify exactly what you need and what you, that will support your uh, your overall wishes and, and hopes and desires. And then at that point, people will, the implementation is going to be easy, but let's not prescribe first. That's like, you know, you got to crowbar everybody in and it creates this, this pressure. And I don't think we need that pressure anymore. So yeah. that's what I would say is, uh, is financial planning first and really to get this advice-driven industry. That's evidence-based advice-driven industry would be great. Yeah. First time I heard that uh, was, um, it was Josh Brown, uh, downtown Josh Brown from Ritzolt. Uh, I think it was on Rational Reminder where he basically made the point of, you know, a recommendation without a financial plan in place is basically akin to malpractice, which mm -hmm. when I heard that, I kind of put my hands up in the air and said, yes, exactly. And unfortunately, this industry, because so much of the compensation or because the bulk of the compensation or revenue in the industry comes from the products or the investment services, whatever it is, we confuse, we put the cart before the horse. At the end of the day, those are methodologies for execution of a strategy, not the strategy in themselves. So I'm with you on that one. Second question for you, what's been the biggest challenge in the genie to where it is today? Well, you know, I think the, the, the challenge with the genie is that 
it's getting the adoption of the the industry and the adoption of the industry is more of the, the adoption of, a, of the industry wanting to do more financial planning because what I've found is that you know my biggest challenge right now is that a lie can travel halfway around the world this is a quote that I came across a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes and this is the issue is that there's so yeah. many things being stated that okay if you need to then show take evidence-based financial planning and start to debunk a lot of this that takes some time and people oftentimes don't have the time. So I just want to really focus on that. And that's been the biggest challenge is that I find as a financial planner anyways, that it's it's hard to get people to go through that process. But that's where, you know, in developing the genie, when I realized that if I can just keep track of everything through a technology platform that makes sure I don't miss those steps, well, then that's been great. The challenge is, I'm sure you do too, if you've been spending some time in, uh, in developing a, a SaaS program or something like that. Yep. Oh my gosh, it takes time. This is the rabbit hole that you go down that once you start, it's hard to get back out of. And so, yep. you know, having to put together the team in order to build out the programming that goes into it and knitting all the different technologies together to make it work. Well, that's, that's been the biggest challenge. But the result is that we've got a pretty powerful program. I will say that the good news is that every day it's getting easier. The proliferation of no-code platforms and the stuff that can be done now without a line of code or with just a basic understanding of being able to read a JSON file is just nuts. And compare when you started out doing this stuff compared to where it is today, we've grown by leaps and bounds. And further to your statement about the the you know the truth takes you know the, the lie goes around the world by the truth puts your shoes on. I have to restrain myself so often from trying to correct people on various communities and conversations because like the reality is is that one of the things I find just utterly frustrating is being someone who believes in evidence is that when someone makes a false statement, the asymmetry to the amount of effort it takes to debunk that false statement is unjust. It's amazing. Someone can say the stupidest thing in the world and people be like, that makes sense. But then you're like, let me explain to you (laughs) for the next two hours of why this entire thing is flawed point to point. And I've had a couple of cases where on my blog and other places, I've had to take down things that were just really, really lopsided. And, and you know, I think to myself, it's like, I'm not getting paid for this, but at least I'm helping people. And actually, funnily enough, a recent there was a recent conversation on Twitter where there's a woman on TikTok who, a psychologist who debunks BS psychology on TikTok. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But someone posted and said, maybe we should be uh, doing this in, in financial services, to which I, I, I tagged Daniel Crosby, myself, I think it was uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy and said, any volunteers, gentlemen, because I don't have the time. And, and Michael, <laughs> Michael replied back with a cartoon that said, uh, honey, come to bed. And he's like, I can't, someone's wrong on the internet. It's like, you're exactly right. Like there's no, there is no upside to this. Let's, let's all just walk away. But it's a problem. It's a problem. It's amazing how, how people will, will believe inconvenient lies, convenient lies over inconvenient truths. That is what it is. The last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you going down this rabbit hole and getting out of bed every morning to, to keep fighting the good fight? Well, I'll tell you what excites me is the fact that the more we've, we, we talk about evidence-based financial planning and the more we go down these, these, you know, have these discussions. The community that starts getting built over up around that is phenomenal. The, one of the biggest challenges I had when I first started in the industry back in '93 was I just didn't like anybody that I worked with. Right? I just every you go to a conference yep. and and uh, you know it was all talking about it wasn't very productive for in my mind. It wasn't. It was more of a, a competition than anything. Well, and so was I sales just, conferences, right? It was all like, how do you sell more? How do you like it was. Right not how yeah. you help more. Yeah. And so what I just said, I said, I don't like these people. So I'm just going to kind of regress, just move. I'm going to move to an island by myself is what I, the way I put it. And that's what I did. I lived on an island by myself for a long period of time because I just got sick of the, the people in the industry. The problem was it gets kind of lonely. And it wasn't until I I actually put a, put my own podcast out many, uh, many years ago that allowed 
people to hear about my journey and my story. I just kind of talked about what I was doing. And all of a sudden people started reaching out saying, oh my gosh, this is such a refreshing conversation because it's all about the evolution of the industry and the evolution of, of financial planning and whatnot. And I thought, hey, there's some really good people out there. The problem is they've been living on islands by themselves as well. And this technology and the, the social media and the ability to bring those communities together, man, that's what, what keeps me going is that I know that the more of these people we can get in the community, and believe me, the community gets rid of the people that shouldn't be there very quickly. So it's a, it's a nice place to be. And, and it just means, I mean, I love this industry. I love this. The industry is such, has been so, so good to me. And I, I just feel that it's been, it's been so tarnished. And I think that the community is what's going to actually get it to the next level and just make it so great for everybody moving forward. I have had the identical experience, right? As I got out there with various media and whatnot, it was it went from being surrounded by people where I'm sure you have the same experience. You go to conferences and you'd hear overhear things and you would cringe and think to yourself, if your clients could hear you now, you'd lose them all. Like you'd lose them all. And unfortunately, that was more the norm than not. I, I like to say I think things are slowly getting better, but further to your statement, I mean, that was the entire impetus for the creation of the Financial Planning Association of Canada was to basically say, hey, like there's enough of us out there. There's no community. Let's let's start building that. And, you know, one principles and evidence, evidence-based investing is one of the or evidence-based everything is one of the principles we, we espouse to. So I'm um, happy to have you on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I mean, uh, when I saw yeah. it, I jumped on it because I thought, great, here's another community that I think is going to be really, really good. Because again, it's going to get rid of the people that shouldn't be there. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking we're ever going to get rid of them all, but I do, I do have an easy time believing. <laughs> Believing that we're we're at least going to give people who are looking to discover that another option and hopefully outnumber the other people one day. That's the long-term goal, but we'll get there. Scott, I thank you very much for your time. I encourage anyone who's looking to digitize and automate and elevate their financial planning practice, take a look at uh, the Genie. We, you know, CRM solutions and other automations are conversations I have on a regular basis with advisors looking for guidance. And every, and I do, once I dissect them, I do point them in Scott's direction. So I, um, I very much, uh, very much encourage you to take a look. And Scott, thank you very much. Hey, great. Thanks. It was a pleasure to be here. So that was today's episode of FinTech Impact. I hope you enjoyed that. And like I said, if you're looking to automate and elevate your practice, take a look at what Scott's done with the Genie. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever's at your podcast. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.